Hello and welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and we have quite the treat today. We have a special guest all the way from Malawi, Pastor Newton Chilengilo. Yes. How's it going, Newton? Nah, I'm doing well. It's good just. to see you. You just got in what, last night or the night before? Yes. Yeah. Got here yesterday, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. it's good to have you on. And we also have Randy with us. How's it going, Randy? I'm good. Uh, we kind of wanted to bring both of you guys in because you guys were ministry partners over in Africa. And so we kind of wanted to just bring you guys together and talk a little bit about what local church life looks like all the way on the other side of the planet. So, Newton, mm-hmm. it's great to have you on. No, I'm excited to be here. Yeah. yeah. So just give us a, a quick rundown. Can you give us a little bit of your backstory, your background of how you came to know Christ and what led you to the ministry? Okay. So, yes, here's my story of how the Lord worked in my heart. I left Malawi at the age of uh, 11 when my dear, precious, beautiful mother died, still just a boy. And I moved to South Africa to live with my dad, who was uh, living and working there and still is. When I moved to South Africa, my dad uh, was uh, living with another woman. So if you do the math, you realize that he was uh, married to another woman even when my mother was still alive. So that somehow was very difficult for me and my brothers uh, to handle. And life was not easy living with our, our stepmom. As I look back, I'm so thankful for many things that uh, she did for us. But uh, then it was really uh, hard, so much so that I was forced to leave home at a young age. I left home around 16, 17 to live with my friends. And I was really full of um, depression. And I started to feel the void and emptiness uh, with uh, alcohol. So my life was just uh, going down. It was just a self-destruction, just abusing alcohol, and that led me to also stealing to support that uh, habit. As uh, the Lord who have it, he actually stopped me from a sinful tracks after a very dramatic uh, episode. So what happened was one day after one too many, I was with my young brother. We were going to our flat, and someone wanted to beat my young brother. And I came between this person and my young brother. And I don't remember much. All I remember was this guy saying, who do you think you are? And next minute I saw myself on the floor. It was just blood all over me. It was just a vomit. Unknown to me what happened. Only a month later, I woke up from a coma. I'd been shot three times on the chest. And I was at uh, Mill Park Hospital in uh, Johannesburg, where uh, whoever came to uh, see me were actually surprised that I made it. Even my own dad, he said, Newton, I was ready to bury you. And my friends were telling me, you need to start going to church. You need to be thankful to God. But I was still filled with pride. And I was like, no, I'm like, two bucks are cool. Three shots couldn't drop me. (laughs) But around the very same time, I believe this is what God used to bring me to himself. Because around the same time, a friend of mine invited me to church. And I said, nah. I'm not going to church. But this friend knew me very well, so he knew which button to press. So he said, Newton, if you go to church with me, I'll buy you a beer. <laughs> I'm like, what? I did the math. So I said, I've got nothing to lose, a beer to gain. <laughs> so I went to church, Bethany Baptist Church in Johannesburg. I don't remember much of what I said, 
But I remember leaving the church that day, telling myself, perhaps this must have been God leading me. I remember saying to myself, I'll be back next week Sunday. Next Sunday, I went to church, but of course, there was no offer for beer this time around. <laughs> the other Sunday, I went again. So I don't know which Sunday, whether it was the first one or second one or third one. I had now a sense of uh, the conviction of my sins. I just realized my life wasn't uh, right. And I then had the gospel clear around that uh, time and I confessed my sins. I repented of my uh, sins and I gave my life uh, to uh, Jesus Christ. But of course, when this happened, beer did not become bitter. It was still sweet. Mm-hmm. So I still struggled with uh, uh, beer. And if you remember, there were times I was still to buy beer. But when I gave my life to Jesus, it was like wherever I went now, I was being offered beer for free. But thankfully, this all I said, this happened in August of 2004. And I remember in November, praying to God, help me not to touch alcohol. Because in Johannesburg, and I guess most places, December, that's when most people consume alcohol. And I remember by God's grace, that December, I never touched alcohol. To this very day, I've been uh, sober. And uh, not long after this, because of where I was, it wasn't really a solid church, so I was just embracing any teaching unknown to me, teachings that wasn't uh, very good. Uh, but the Lord began to give me a desire to know how to teach God's uh, word. So that is what even led me to go and study in the seminary. Yeah, the Lord has been so good uh, to me. He gave me a, a desire to reach out to my lost uh, friends, and that also gave birth to a desire for me to go back home. So, yeah, that is my story. Now I'm thankful to what God has done. That's awesome. Praise God. And and I remember a part that you said um, someone was explaining the scriptures to you and drew a diagram explaining that passage, and you said, what was that that he did? I want to learn how to do that so I can explain the scriptures like that as well. Yes, I believe this is what even led me to go and uh, study at Christ Seminary. So what was happening, as I said, I was just uh, embracing a false doctrine without even knowing it. And I was arguing with this young man that had been to Christ Seminary. And uh, whenever we argue, I will say, but so-and-so says that. I will use experience. But he used to say, the Bible says, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. Then I remember he actually drew a diagram stripping the verses and then was telling us, uh, this is how you interpret uh, the scriptures. Wow. And I was like, wow, I want to do what you you do. Then he told us, uh, and my friend, he had gone to a seminary. And uh, yeah, God's kindness went to the sem- uh, seminary with him. So now we're no longer saying, so-and-so told us, that the Bible says. The Bible says. That's awesome. So how long have you been uh, serving at the church you're at now? Because that's no longer in South Africa. You're back in Malawi. Is that correct? Yes, I am back in Malawi. That's where I was born. So we moved to Malawi, my family and I, in August of 2014. And we planted the church in March 2015. So it's just over four years now. That's awesome. And so how did it come about to plant that church in Malawi? So when we left uh, South Africa, the desire was just to plant the church, but we did not know how we are going to plant. We had a few options, but uh, the option that the Lord led us was uh, by meeting a missionary from the States who had a Bible study. He called his Bible study Reformation Malawi. So here's a man 
was trying to introduce uh, reformed uh, theology to Malawi. But he was facing some challenges, he was getting old, the family was growing. So by the time I was thinking of leaving Lilongwe, that's the time my family and I were arriving in Lilongwe. So we took over the Bible study, then we changed it to Reformation Bible Church. And so how did you meet this guy, Randy, over here? Oh man, it's a long story, but <laughs> keep it short. So Randy came to South Africa on a missions trip, and uh, they came to do some work at the baby home. So my wife and I were serving there as uh, the interim uh, house parents. And uh, so this guy was just busy with electricity, up and down, all handy and stuff. And uh, yeah, that is how I met uh, Randy. We didn't interact much, but I was just encouraged and surprised that one of the things that stood out for him was uh, meeting myself, even uh, Nixon from Zim. But uh, yeah, the Lord has just uh, done a lot of things uh, to our lives through Randy and his uh, family. So thankful for him. And that, and that was in February of 2012. It was a 10-day trip here from Grace Church to go and help get the baby home ready to open up for the first time. And that kind of led you into South Africa, is that right? Or were you kind of already there? No, I was not there at all. I was kind of hesitant to go on the trip in the first place. And through lots of prayer of my family and friends, um, they got me to join the team to go. And as I was there, I saw the ministry, not just of the baby home, but of the church plant there in Pretoria with Pastor Josh and then Newton also was part of that. And I heard the story of how he became a believer and his heart was to get trained further in, in Bible teaching and then to be able to go back to his own country and be used by God there. And that really impacted me a lot. Here's this man that wants to go back to his own people, leave an easier lifestyle in South Africa and go back to where life is more difficult and be faithful to God in in teaching and preaching God's word there. So talk to me a little bit about uh, like kind of the, the church climate, the religious climate of Malawi in particular. What exactly does that look like? Is it pretty Christian? Malawi is called a Christian country, but what that is uh, meant is simply to say most people profess to be Christians. But if you have to understand the historical gospel, I would say maybe between 10 to 15 people truly understand the, the gospel. Although culturally, people will consider themselves to be Christians. We have a minority percentage of about 15 to 20 percent of uh, Muslims. But uh, most people in Malawi will profess to be Christians, which... Uh, it may sound like a good thing, but it makes it difficult when you want to share the gospel of people because they're so religious, they think they're already Christians. Yeah. 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 So talk to me a little bit about your specific church, Reformed Bible Church. What is the, the state of that church right now? So we've been just uh, amazed and uh, encouraged at what God has uh, done. As I mentioned, we started in uh, March of 2015. It was just a small Bible study. And in the following year, 2016, we covenanted uh, with uh, the first uh, members. So 16 people committed to uh, membership in 2016. But the Lord has been growing the church. We have been seeing slow and steady growth. And now the membership is about 50. 
We have got 50 members, which may be small in American standards, but back home, but also with what we're teaching, because at Reformation Bible Church, uh, we focus on uh, teaching God's word uh, faithfully. And uh, honestly speaking, coming to Reformation Bible Church, you really must desire to be there. We don't even meet in a very fancy uh, place, don't even have electricity, but we've been uh, encouraged to see young people coming and desiring to grow. And that is what we have uh, seen the Lord do. There's also been some uh, difficulties, but those difficulties, I think, had to do also for a desire just to teach God's word, whereby there have been some people who been uh, in an unrepentant uh, sin, so we had to exercise the discipline. So, yeah, so we have had some difficult times as well, but overall, we're just encouraged with what God is doing. Uh, that's great to hear. And what would you say is the biggest difficulty facing those in your church? There are several difficulties. I guess one of the difficulties is just, just uh, consistency in the basics of uh, Christian faith, where reading the Word of God daily, consistent prayer life, being able to witness. I would say there's a lot of uh, inconsistencies on the spiritual level, that is. But also at our church, it's mostly young adults. I'm the oldest at uh, 38 years old. So there's also a lot of difficulties in terms of uh, just guys being able to provide for themselves. Also have a lot of guys that desire to get married, but because they cannot provide for themselves, it's like uh, it takes longer for guys to get married. Yeah, so it's also struggles of purity. Yeah, so those are some of the uh, struggles that I see at the church facing. One of the cool things that I love about the Christian faith is we see that throughout history and even within the world right now, the church doesn't really change all that much when you really think about it, and the struggles of the church don't really change all that much. And so it's it's really encouraging to know that the same things that we struggle with are people are struggling with this all over the world and uh, it's the normal ordinary life of all of us to strive for holiness so talk to me a little bit about the misconceptions of what you have heard some of the american christians coming to see you talk about malawi Mm. i would say one of the major misconceptions maybe rightly so but uh, i think there is a shift on that where many people think the church in Africa is, uh, they say, what is it one inch deep? Mm, mm-hmm. And I think uh, that is actually changing. The Lord is uh, raising uh, men that are faithfully teaching God's word and are committed to teach uh, uh, God's uh, truth. So I think uh, that, that then is uh, a misconception. We have men that committed to teaching uh, God's word. And uh, another misconception will be that Africans are uh, Africans uh, should I say that uh, they are spiritually lazy at our church I want to believe that uh, I've been to several uh, churches but I've been encouraged myself by just uh, the quality of young people despite the challenges that I mentioned earlier but there's a hunger and desire for people to read because there's a misconception that says if you want to hide something from Africans, put it in a book. I don't know if you've heard of that. I have not, no. But um, yeah, we seem to be uh, also changing that uh, misconception. So there's a desire also for books to read, but sometimes because of our lack of our resources, because most books, of course, they come from America or Europe, but get them to Malawi is also a struggle. So 
Yeah, that's another misconception. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up here on Ordinary Church. Newton, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, telling us your story, telling us about the church in Malawi. This was great. Randy, thank you so much for uh, yeah, my coming pleasure. on. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at ordinarychurch at gmail.com. And we'd love to have you join us next week as we remain faithful, even in the ordinary. <laughs>